Welcome to the Robert Half Legal Report, where we discuss current issues impacting the legal profession related to hiring, staff management, and more with leading experts in the field. Robert Half Legal provides lawyers, paralegals, and support staff to law firms and corporate legal departments on a project and full-time basis. The Robert Half Legal Report is here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Charles Volkert, Executive Director of Robert Half Legal and the host of our program. In our last episode, we had a great discussion on what counsel can do to set up their legal teams for success when managing a request for e-discovery. Today, in part two of our discussion, we'll address what law firms and legal departments are doing to minimize risk as it relates to social media, cloud computing, and data privacy. Returning to our program are Frank Serge and Sonny Sagani. Frank Serge is Vice President for Robert Half Legal's Consulting Solution and E-Discovery Practice, where he provides consultation and support to law firms and corporate legal departments to create operational efficiencies, mitigate risks, reduce costs, and design customized e-discovery solutions. He serves as a business partner to multiple Fortune 1000 companies and AMLAW law firms throughout Chicago, North America, as well as internationally. Sonny Sagani is an associate director for Robert Half Legal's consulting solution and e-discovery practice. He provides investigative support and manage solutions to clients in the areas of documentation gathering and review, evidence, and electronic discovery management. Welcome back to the show, Frank and Sonny. Thank you, Chad. Thanks for having us back, Chad. Data privacy has been front page news in the wake of massive data breaches during the past several months, and a growing number of organizations are looking to their legal counsel to help them understand the intrinsics and risks associated with data privacy and effectively minimize risks. Frank, what are your thoughts on just the overall uh, focus in and around this area? Yeah, due to the explosion in data you know, through traditional and new forms of media, combined with the ever-evolving regulatory landscape, you know, privacy and data protection are fast-growing areas in the legal profession. The estimated annual cost to the global economy from cybercrime now exceeds $400 billion. According to a report from the Center for Strategic and International Studies in McAfee. Also, cybersecurity should be a top priority for law firms of all sizes, especially in light of recent high-profile breaches. Law firms, in particular, are prime targets for criminals. Also, the American Bar Association House of Delegates also is encouraging both private and public sector organizations to deploy robust cybersecurity programs. And in a recent conference that I attended, you know, many, many internal counsel have this as the number one uh, priority on their list to tackle um, in 2015. Very interesting insights, uh, Frank. You know, so with that in mind, Sonny, what do law firms and their corporate clients need to be aware of as it relates to cybersecurity? Firms need to be making sure they're hiring the right professionals with the IT risk piece in mind. You know, cybersecurity is on the rise, and these attacks are becoming increasingly more sophisticated and disruptive. The firm's confidential data and reputation is on stake here, and IT and legal need to work together to ensure their network defenses are keeping up to pace with these mounting threats. You know, for example, personally identifiable information may be sitting on a machine or a server 
outside of the security parameters that IT has set. And this could be done just to facilitate a business reason for reporting purposes. You know, the tools that enable legal professionals to work more effectively, such as cloud computing and mobile devices, are also making law firms more vulnerable to data breaches. While law firms are updating these outdated systems to become more efficient, they're also strategically hiring data privacy officers and other specialists with strong backgrounds in document retention, security, and records management to safeguard the confidential information. You know, by employing specialized professionals and experts, you can have a layered approach in protecting both your paper and digital information, including putting in management controls, restricted access, and security software, alongside regular audits to ensure proper security procedures are being followed. That's great information, Sonny. And and let me maybe ask a follow-up question. Where should the defense against cybercrime start? Defending against cybercrime should start at the top. The law firm's management, including senior partners and administrators, need to work closely with their IT counterparts to manage the organization's cybersecurity efforts on an ongoing basis. They need to allocate sufficient resources to ensure effective protection against this risk. A single data breach can be very costly, and while there's no way to prevent 100% of attacks, you want to make sure that you have something in place so you can respond in lightning speed. Excellent direction uh, you provided there, Sonny, for our audience. Frank, anything to add on this piece of the discussion? Yeah, only that every time I sit down with associate general counsel or general counsel, this is one of the key points of their discussion with me. Um, you know, how can they, you know, better, you know, better be prepared for an incident, and then if one does occur, how can they respond? So that's a good segue, Frank, into talking about how e-discovery is being affected by social media and cloud computing. Uh, what trends are you seeing, and how are these trends impacting companies as they view e-discovery and cybersecurity? Sure. Cloud services and social networking are influencing how e-discovery is managed. But consider the rapidly expanding usage of cloud services and social network sites. You know, Gartner predicts that the global cloud-based security services will be a $3.1 billion business in 2015. Companies recognize that it's not sufficient to just passively delegate uh, management of ESI in the event that you know, they're hit with an e-discovery request, whether that stems from an internal investigation or civil or criminal litigation. You know, many are becoming increasingly aware of the need um, to take additional action to manage the discovery issues, their obligations, risks, and liabilities resulting from data stored in the cloud, and their employees and clients' online conduct on social media sites. This is particularly true as data is increasingly being transferred across borders, um, thus implicating various types of uh, data privacy obligations. Very interesting, Frank. So, Sonny, what are the potential issues that come with cloud computing? So, some firms and companies don't even realize that turning to cloud solutions for data storage can complicate potential requests for ESI. You know, the fact is that the information in the cloud is constantly changing. Uh, metadata can be lost or altered during information transfers or retrievals, making it difficult to accurately preserve and produce. A good example is how data gets replicated between, a, say, your cell phone and a laptop, leaving a trail of messages not only on your phone but on your hard drive. And that has become actually a big eye-opener for law firms as we've been helping do collection preservation activities for them. You know, data stored in the cloud also raises the issue of ownership. While many companies may own their data, it does not necessarily control how the external cloud systems operate. And many users and cloud providers have not considered a plan to meet e-discovery requirements relating to that data. While the legal standard or duty is fairly broad, 
in practice, it is much less clear and requires significant effort to craft and memorialize obligations and responsibilities. These circumstances certainly don't mean that organizations should dismiss outright any consideration for utilizing cloud services, though. It does mean that they should enter contracts and service agreements with cloud providers, proactively addressing issues around preserving, segregating where possible, and collecting electronic data. Increasingly, legal professionals and in-house legal teams are working closely with their IT colleagues and third-party vendors to avoid glitches when software is upgraded or replaced. If legal organizations employ cloud services, it's critical they thoroughly understand not only where they own cloud-based information and their clients is, but also the capabilities of their service providers if the data needs to be accessed. Well, thanks, Sonny. I mean, you know, based on your feedback and Frank's, there is a lot to be worried about, a lot to be thinking about um, in and around this area. So all great information. Let's take a quick break. To find, hire, and retain the best legal professionals, it's critical to have a sound hiring strategy in place. Robert Half Legal works with law firms and corporate legal departments to create effective staffing plans that can adapt to changing workload levels, realize significant cost savings, and improve the overall management of human resources. We offer a wide range of resources to assist hiring managers and job candidates, including our annual salary guide, industry-leading workplace research, and valuable interactive tools. For more information, call us at 800-870-8367 or visit roberthalflegal.com. Welcome back. I'm Chad Volkert, and with us today are Sonny Sagani and Frank Serge from Robert Half Legal's Consulting Solutions and eDiscovery Practice. Frank, let's start with you, and let's talk about social media. What I would consider closely related and arguably a subset of cloud computing. Frank, do you want to set the stage for us in this area? Uh, sure. So use of social networks by law firms and their clients to attract customers and recruit talent has mushroomed in recent years. You know, specifically, if we look at Facebook, it has over 1.4 billion users. LinkedIn has just under 500 million users. Google, Instagram, um, Skype have you know, right around 300 million, and, and Twitter is just under 300 million. It's important to note that you know, as more of these companies and law firms leverage the power of social media to closely engage with customers, it opens itself up to you know, a public who can make comments that live on its site. In addition, individuals can create blogs and other sites that discuss a company without the company's knowledge or control at all. Sonny, anything additional that you would add to Frank's great points in this area? Yeah, you know, taking it from the spin of trying to collect material from here, there's always an issue related to timing and permissions. You know, what is publicly available and what's privately available? How to obtain a post or a message that's been shared with friends or only visible to the individual? Information might be locked down and it's often is very difficult to obtain and hard to substantiate. You know, the discovery of social media information falls under the same rules that govern other forms of e-discovery. As discussed earlier, there's an increasing likelihood that a firm's employees are using social media sites at work for both business and personal reasons and unintentionally creating discoverable electronic information. This can become particularly troublesome. If a firm finds it needs to access an employee's social media account and then learns the employee has deactivated the account. Even if the data can be retrieved from the social media vendor, the organization could possibly face a sanction due to its failure to preserve the data. 
efforts to request or compel the production of electronic information from social media vendors have been extremely challenging. And some attorneys are either unaware of their obligations under the rules and related case law or slipping up when it comes to the preservation of information posted to these sites. For example, one lawyer agreed to a five-year suspension of his license after advising his client to clean up his Facebook photos. It's become increasingly clear that if parties do not preserve social media information, they risk court sanctions. And Frank, could you share a little bit about the case law in this area? Sure. As I was uh, researching, um, as I was going to be part of another panel about a year ago, you know, I, I looked into this you know, pretty thoroughly. And you know, one of the things that I learned was that you can't necessarily just go on a fishing expedition with regards to people's social media accounts. You need to be very specific you know, to what is discoverable as far as um, you know, being very, very direct in what you're asking for. Um, and that also courts you know, seem to be appointing intermediaries uh, to ensure that personal information won't be turned over. So essentially, people are looking at the documents to ensure that they may be relevant to a particular request from another side before turning over the entirety of, of a person's social media account. Well, that's great information from both you, Frank, and Sonny. Before we wrap up, I'd like to ask each of you to share a few closing thoughts, and maybe we'll start with you, Sonny. Yeah, you know, I think I would probably focus on what corporations and legal teams who are managing e-discovery successfully are doing, and that's establishing preventative controls and acceptable use policies to reduce the exposure, but also allow employees to do their jobs. Thanks, Sonny. Frank? Yeah, corporations are becoming more savvy in their outside spend as well as with the protection of their sensitive data. You know, with such a focus on data security and privacy, you know, that is trickling down to their vendors and the outside counsel that they've worked with for many, many years. But in order to continue working with those corporations, both the vendors and the outside counsel are having to be or are being subjected to the same data security standards um, as their corporate client uh, utilizes internally. Very interesting. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, but I'd like to thank both Frank Serge and Sonny Sagani for joining us. Before we close, can you both provide your contact information in case our audience would like to follow up with you directly? And maybe, Frank, uh, I'll throw it over to you first. Sure. Thank you, Chad. Yeah, I may be contacted at frank.surge, spelled S as in Sam, E-R-G-E, at roberthalflegal.com. And Sonny? Thanks, Chad. Sonny.Sangani, S-A-N-G-H-A-N-I, at roberthalflegal.com. And our listeners can reach me at charles.volkert, V as in Victor, O-L-K-E-R-T, at roberthalf.com. You can also visit roberthalflegal.com to learn more about our e-discovery and consulting solutions and also to subscribe to our legal blog for weekly updates on e-discovery, the legal job market, and other important industry developments. Thanks for listening today, and join us next time on the Robert Half Legal Report as we cover another great topic impacting legal practice management and legal careers. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Robert Half Legal connects the most highly skilled candidates with the best positions in the legal profession. 
Join us again for the latest information in the next edition of the Robert Half Legal Report here on the Legal Talk Network.